Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, members of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan are gathering in Regina this week for their annual general meeting. APAS President Ian Boxall will join us on today's program. The Western Canadian Crop Production Show will introduce a new three-day format next month in Saskatoon. Leanne Hurlbert is the Agriculture Manager at Saskatoon Prairieland Park. She'll tell us all about it. The weekly cattle market update issued by Canfax shows prices for feeder, steer and heifers in Saskatchewan were mixed once again. Fonda Froats, the Provincial Cattle Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, will keep us up to date on that. And Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. We'll have that coming up on today's edition. All of that and more on today's program. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to Saskag Today. Members of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan are gathering in Regina this week for their annual general meeting. APAS President Ian Boxall summarizes what the meeting will entail. So there'll be uh, some panel discussions, uh, resolutions, which kind of set the direction for the organization for the year. You know, one big thing this year, we're going to release our farmer share of the food dollar report, which I think some people are pretty excited about having that out there. And it just shows what a product you buy at the grocery store, how much of your money as the consumer gets back to the producer. So we're looking forward to, to the AG, AGM this week. And, and yeah, it'll be good. Boxall says its Farmers and Food Prices Report is a byproduct of a resolution made at a previous annual general meeting two years ago. We look at what, what is the farmer's share of the food dollar because as we saw the price of food at the grocery stores go up, there was some blame put on producers because it was around the same time that commodity prices were going up. So we were, you know, a resolution was brought forward for us to look into what is the share of I think we looked at seven or eight products. What is the share that the farmer gets when the consumer buys the product that's off the grocery store shelf? So, you know, canola oil, margarine, bread, flour, beef are on the in the report, and it shows how commodity prices have affected the increase, but also how much of that money rolls back down to the producer. He was asked if anything in the report stood out to him. Well, I think I knew the less processed the food is the more the producer gets right so beef isn't produced right isn't processed much the producer gets 
a larger share of that stuff like beer. We did beer as well. Stuff like beer, the producer gets less because there's more processing, right? So, no, I think it's just a good report to have that shows that, you know, maybe the farmers aren't totally to blame. Even though we have had increased commodity prices, they aren't to blame for the what's happened, right? The meeting will also feature guest speakers from the Canadian Grain Commission, Farm Credit Canada, and the Global Institute for Food Security, as well as an election of the directors and executive. The AGM is today and tomorrow in Regina. Meanwhile, the Western Canadian Crop Production Show will introduce a new three-day format next month in Saskatoon. Traditionally, the Crop Production Show at Prairieland Park runs from noon to 6 on Monday and then continues Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Next month, the Crop Production Show will run Tuesday, January 9th, Wednesday, January 10th and Thursday, January 11th. Leanne Hurlburt is the Agriculture Manager at Saskatoon's Prairie Land Park. You know, with the change of time, sometimes we have to embrace change, and our exhibitors had really have been requesting it for a, quite a long time. For them, you know, that extra half day is the big deal. So we determined that, you know, we want to work with all of our exhibitors and uh, try to make this show a great one for everyone. So we went from the three and a half to the three. She says it helps exhibitors with any staffing issues. It just means that a a good chunk of them won't be moving in until the Monday instead of on the weekend. So it just gave them a little bit less time of uh, staffing on the weekends, that kind of thing. Robert says it will also help exhibitors keep costs down. Right. You know, a lot of our exhibitors are local, but there are quite a few that do come in from out of town. And um, and this, even with our flight issues and things here, it was easier for them to get flights in on the Monday. Getting in on the weekend sometimes is difficult, that kind of thing. So there's so many changes in the whole environment around in Canada now that we have to go with the times. And she says they will have hundreds of exhibitors this year. Yeah, we have 335 exhibitors, and they will be filling 1,000 exhibit spaces in the buildings, which is great. We are full with a waiting list. We also are adding our Innovation Award this year. So we will have the top three that have applied out of our exhibitors featured in our information theater on Thursday, January 11th at 10.30 in the morning. So they'll each make a presentation on their innovative product. Leanne Hurlbert is the agriculture manager at Saskatoon's Prairieland Park. The Western Canadian Crop Production Show next month will move from a three and a half day to a three day format. That'll be Tuesday, January 9th, Wednesday, January 10th, and Thursday, January the 11th. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. New Democrat MP Alistair McGregor says he has reviewed the major grocers' plans to stabilize prices, and he's unimpressed by what is in them. McGregor, the NDP agriculture critic, spoke to reporters yesterday afternoon ahead of a committee appearance by Michael Medline, the president and CEO of Empire Company Limited, which owns Sobeys and other grocery store chains. Industry Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne announced this fall that major companies including Loblaw, Metro, Empire, Walmart and Costco 
had shared plans to tackle rising prices that included discounts, price freezes and price matching campaigns. McGregor says grocers agreed to share the plans with members of the House of Commons Agriculture Committee. He says that while the committee agreed to keep the contents of the plans confidential, MPs could have found much of what was in them by reviewing flyers or doing a Google search. Deidre Kelly has been named as Executive Director of Canada's new Indo-Pacific Agriculture and Agri-Food Office in Manila, Philippines. The federal government is planning to open the physical office in the new year. The office is a $31.8 million joint initiative between Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. It's part of an ongoing commitment by the federal government to bolster ties, advance technical cooperation, assist Canadian exporters in finding new business opportunities, and help position Canada as a preferred supplier in the region. Kelly has 20 years of international experience with Global Affairs Canada, including numerous assignments abroad. She was most recently the Consul General of Canada in Mumbai, India, and prior to that served as Canada's ambassador to the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Fund traders were buying back some of their large net short position for the fourth week in a row in late November. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of November 28th, the net managed money short position in Canola Futures came in at 81,770, a decrease of about 5,000 from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 256,563 contracts, which was down by 8,732 on the week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were on the other side of the market, liquidating some of their large net long position in soybeans, taking it to roughly 71,100 contracts from 85,800 the previous week. Over the last two years, Francois Nadeau has chosen to do something rare among his fellow Quebec pork farmers, invest in the future. Despite economic conditions that industry leaders have called a crisis, Nadeau and his wife and co-owner of their business went ahead with a new building to house some of their 1,200 sows. It features high-tech feeding and cooling systems and bigger open pens to replace many of the crates and cages that used to keep the animals confined. Nadeau explains that the changes were made in part to ensure the farm complies with new federal animal welfare rules that come into force in 2029. Recently, more than 20% of producers in the province applied for a program to compensate farmers who severely reduce their herds or simply quit. The Quebec company billed as Canada's largest producer of strawberry plants has picked up new ownership after nearly 70 years. Production Leroux, based on just over 450 acres, about 40 kilometers northeast of Montreal, has been acquired by investors Antoine Casimir and Andrea Borodenko for an undisclosed sum. The Leroux business produces multiple varieties of early, mid and late season strawberry plants for commercial scale greenhouse and upic growers and garden centres, as well as for backyard and balcony use. The company also sells various varieties of raspberry, high and low bush blueberry, blackberry, 
cherry, hascap, and other berry plants, as well as asparagus and rhubarb, among others. Owner-operators Luke and Lynn LaRoe plan to retire from the business that's been in the family hands since 1953. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue right after these messages. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and minus 4 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The weekly cattle market update issued by Canfax shows prices for feeder steer and heifers in Saskatchewan were mixed once again. Provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, Fonda Froats, has the details on prices for the week ending December 1st. Feeder steer prices ranged from 472.75 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 pound category down to $300.50 per hundredweight for the 8 to 900 pound category. Prices were up from 3 to 4 dollars per hundredweight over last week's prices in the lighter steers that were below 500 pounds while they were unchanged in steers um, ranging from five to 800 pounds. Saskatchewan feeder heifer prices mostly declined compared to the prior week. Prices ranged from 376 per hundred weight for the three to 400 pound heifers to 267.83 for the 800 plus pound category. Heifers weighing below 700 pounds were down on average between two to five dollars per hundred weight, while the heifers heavier above 700 pounds gained between a dollar to four dollars over the previous week. Volatility in the futures market continues to be a factor. We've also had exceptional fall weather and this has helped maintain prices um, and demand from buyers from further distances for Saskatchewan feeder cattle. Froats notes cattle going to auction in Saskatchewan declined this past week. There were 17,316 feeder cattle sold at auction over the week ending December 1st and this is down from 27,940 the previous week. Year-to-date Saskatchewan feeder cattle marketings are at 3% above 2022 which is 615,716 head. Prices of Alberta cows were also mixed last week. D2 cows were unchanged from the previous week and averaged 122.29 per hundredweight, while D3 cows were down 341 per hundredweight and ended the week with an average of 106.79 per hundredweight. No price was established for Alberta-fed steers for the week ending December 1st. The market was said to be steady to weaker compared to the previous week when the price averaged 228.19 per hundredweight. That's Fonda Froats with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture going over the cattle market update for the week ending December 1st. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 169.10 this afternoon. That's up 202. April live cattle trading at 171.57 up 187. January feeder cattle trading at 214.67, up 415. March feeder cattle trading at 217.62, up 405. February lean hogs trading at 69.52, down 127. 
April lean hogs trading at 76.12, down 142. And that's the livestock market conditions. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Wheat markets were higher last week on better than expected export sales. We're going to start with some of the most important news. Well, briefly, we're going to talk about Stats Canada released their latest production report this Monday morning. The total Canadian wheat production was said to be 31.95 million tonnes. Now, this is down 7% from last year, but up 2.1 million tonnes from the previous estimate and slightly higher than the 31.1 million tonnes that the trade was expecting. Spring wheat was put at 24.8 million tonnes. This is down 4% from last year, but 800,000 tonnes above what the trade guess was. Urim wheat production was lowered by 14,000 tonnes to 4.05 million tonnes, down 30% from last year. The average trade guess was for a 4.1 million tonne number, so very similar. Winter wheat was left essentially unchanged at 3.15 million tonnes, which was close to what the trade was guessing. As far as some of the wheat trades that happened last week, Morocco bought 4 to 7 cargoes of December shipment wheat. Korea bought 95,000 tons of various classes of US and Canadian wheat. US export sales were strong at 623,000 tons, that was above trade guesses. And China was reported to have bought another 440,000 tons of soft red winter wheat, which will be important to the US wheat market. Being on U.S. wheat, although the funds were reported to have bought back some of their corn shorts, the Commitment of Traders report showed the funds extended its all-wheat short by about 29,000 contracts. U.S. winter wheat conditions rose two points over the week, to 50% good to excellent. This compares to 34% good to excellent last year. Emergence is 91% complete. We'll bring her back home to Canada. Canadian wheat exports in shipping week 17 were quite strong at 603,000 tons. This creates a season total of 6.9 million tons. Total shipments are now running 8% ahead of last year compared to our expectation for a 9% decrease year over year. For Durham exports, exports in week 17 were just 43.3 thousand tons for a season total of 926,000 tons. This is 37% behind last year, and slightly behind our expectation of a 32% decrease in exports. Boom prices in the EU were unchanged to slightly higher last week. Price quotes in Italy and Greece were unchanged, while prices in France and Spain were about 2 to 5 euros higher per ton over the week. Durham planting in France added another 12% to 44% complete. This is well behind the 75% complete last year. Seeding of the Durham crop in North Africa is underway, and while they have received some rain which will help alleviate the drought, it has not been enough to reverse it. The long-term forecast has more consistent rain occurring in January to February. The recent rains will allow for planting progress, and the January-February means will help crop development. With that said, water reserves in Morocco are low, 
and they will likely be able to only produce about what we would say an average crop this coming year. Continuing with Durham for just a second longer, Russia's Ag Ministry is banning the export of Durham as of December 1st. Russia has shipped lots of Durham into the EU, but we think they have shipped most of their exportable supplies, and the ban will not have a large impact on the Durham availability. We'll move on to Argentina. Harvest in Argentina is up 10% from last week at 36% complete. This compares to 23% last year. Badge left its production number unchanged at 14.7 million tons, but says the crop could be bigger as frost damage does not look as bad as expected. Yield data could support this increase if it is true. The average yield, according to Badge, rose from 1.8 tons per hectare to 2.16 tons per hectare over the week. This means that the average yield of the crop that had just been harvested this last week was about 3.1 tons per hectare. The remaining crop would need to average 2.85 tons per hectare to make Badger's current yield estimate. Farmers in Argentina have been reluctant sellers, but it seems like there has been some appetite to lock in margins. Harvest pressure has allowed Argentinian wheat to be competitive into the Asian markets. We'll head on over to Australia, where quality issues driven by a late-season rain in New South Wales and Victoria caused future prices in Australia to jump to a five-week high. Sources say that most of the grain harvested after the rain will need to be tested for low-falling numbers. Estimates of the volume of damaged grain range from 100,000 tons to 1 million tons. This would account to either 0.4 all the way up to 4% of Australia's total expected wheat crop. Farmers have stopped selling as they assess the damage. Meanwhile, feed markets dropped by about $5 to $10 per tonne. In India, there are rumors that India will implement an export quota on wheat. Soil moisture levels are low, which will likely cause wheat area to remain stagnant despite near record high prices. Wheat stocks in the 24-25 season are expected to fall to the lowest level in 15 years. And we'll head on over to the European Union. The EU Commission's update left production and exports in the EU unchanged, while feed use was higher. This caused an 800,000 ton decrease in their ending stocks. The EU Commission's ending stock number is 7 million tons larger than the USDA's ending stock number, because of the difference in expected exports, we think the USDA is out to lunch. French farmers planted another 8% of the soft wheat crop over the week to 82% complete. Cold and snow may put a halt to seeding in many regions. The remaining area, which represents approximately 7 million tons of production, is at risk of not being seeded until spring. The condition of the French wheat crop lost another three points over the week to 80% good to excellent. This compares to 98% good to excellent the same time last year. Last week we mentioned that China was asking exporters to move their December movement wheat exports to the new year. However, with that said, there were reports of a December shipment vessel for China being loaded in France, indicating that not all December shipments were deferred. In the Black Sea, strong winds and sea swells hampered wheat exports for much of the week. Logistics in Russia's interior is still experiencing issues from the heavy snowfall. 
Estimates for Russia's upcoming winter wheat crop range from 90 to 92 million tons. This compares to last year's crop that is thought to be around 90 million tons. Ukraine's trade corridor remains operational. There is no further clarity on the minimum price scheme that is being proposed by the Ukrainian government, but it seems like the country is moving toward more government controls. And there's one more item that we should mention that shipping rates are rising aggressively. The Baltic Dry Index spiked by 52% from last week as China announced continuous efforts to stimulate the economy. Restrictions at the Panama Canal have caused keep-size vessel charter rates to grow to the highest level at this time of year since 2009. Additionally, shippers in the Black Sea are reporting difficulty in securing vessels. As far as the outlook goes, there's evidence of fund buying as they start to cover their short position. We do not expect too many moves, and the volume will be light as we move towards Christmas. We have a few important reports coming up this week. The Australian numbers are being updated. We had Stats Canada, and the USDA report is out this week. We do not expect these reports to be bearish. Wheat sales to China are supportive, and if funds continue to buy in their shorts, we could see strength in wheat futures. We would hold sales for now. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down rather sharply this afternoon. January canola trading at 663.20, down $13.90. March canola trading at $670 per metric ton, down $14. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 736 and a quarter unchanged from yesterday's close March Kansas City wheat trading at 661 and a half up three and three quarters of a cent March Chicago wheat trading at 627 and a half up seven cents March corn trading at 487 and a quarter up one and three quarters of a cent January soybeans trading at 12.98 per bushel, down eight and a quarter cents. March oats trading at 3.88 and a half, down six and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. The head of Sobeys is concerned about the future of a proposed grocery code of conduct. Speaking to the Senate Ag Committee yesterday. Michael Medline told MPs that the Code of Conduct may not proceed. Walmart and Loblaws have expressed concerns a Code of Conduct would increase prices to consumers. While not mentioning those two companies by name, Medline said those statements are not true. Although we are ready, willing and able to sign the Code today, we now have serious doubts as to whether the Code will actually come into effect due to recent opposition by some retailers. In no way do we believe, nor does evidence show, that a grocery code of conduct would lead to higher food prices or less choice for Canadians. In fact, quite the opposite. Industry leaders have been trying to reach an agreement on a code of conduct for more than two years after the government ordered them to produce new rules to govern dealings between grocers and suppliers. 
The hope is the rules will end alleged bullying tactics in the food chain and prevent disputes over the fees and fines manufacturers say they're forced to pay just to get their products on the grocery store shelf. A Conservative MP asked Medline what the government could do to help keep food prices in check. His reply was reduced labeling and regulation. Labeling, packaging, at a time when costs are rising, front-of-pack labeling, nutritional labeling, these costs add up and go on the grocery bill. Although some of them may be important in the medium or long term, they do hurt consumers in the short term. Help fund national food rescue or food diversion programs. Incentivize Canadian greenhouse farming to lower costs, shorten our supply chain, make us less dependent on other nations. The benefit of a voluntary system is it's simpler and quicker to roll out than a mandatory government-regulated code. Ottawa has already determined that such a code isn't under federal jurisdiction, so it would fall to the provinces to implement. Medline says that scenario would create even more costs and confusion. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. The COP28 conference in Dubai will spend a full week discussing agricultural sustainability as part of the climate change agenda. The group, Farmers for Climate Solutions, says Canada needs to get ahead of the curve and be ready for future changes. Randomly selected producers will participate in forums across the prairies this winter, January in Manitoba, February in Saskatchewan, and March in Alberta. The former president of Pulse Canada, Gordon Bacon, will serve as a co-lead for the three-day forums. We want to sit down and have a really open and frank discussion about sustainability, carbon emissions, and solutions going forward. I'm really looking at it from the perspective of market demand, making sure that we're ready for the changes that are going on in the food industry, And it's really a time now where we start talking about are there opportunities, are there requirements for market access, and how do we make sure that we are seen as the preferred supplier for markets where this is important. Bacon says producer voices are needed to make sure Canada is ready for changes going on in the food industry. We really want to focus on profitability. We want to make sure that we are uh, looking at the market demand. And profitability is really kind of the agronomic side of things, the market demand side of things. We have to be aware of policy issues that are uh, at our own national government level and at the international level. So what the European Union wants, if we're going to have access to that market. And I think there's also a link into research, agronomic research, in terms of what's our plan to continually get better. Bacon says one example is scope 3 emissions that occur in a business supply chain. For farmers, it would be items such as feed and fertilizer. You're going to see, and we're already seeing grain companies, you know, looking at meeting targets for scope 3 emissions. And so what we want to do is make sure that um, we have that discussion about the changes that are going on on the market demand side of things and, and how we can make sure we're ready. Recommendations coming out of the forums will be included in a report to be released later next year. Much warmer and drier than normal weather makes for a pleasant start to winter, 
but November did nothing to alleviate ongoing concerns about dry topsoil moisture conditions around Saskatchewan. Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang says El Nino has arrived a little earlier than anticipated. In general, El Nino conditions in western Canada bring warmer and drier conditions, and that's generally for the winter, so that's December, January, February. It doesn't mean that it's not going to get cold, because we live in Saskatchewan, we know it will get cold over the winter, and it doesn't mean it won't snow. It just means that in general, like when you add everything up at the end of the winter it uh, is forecast to be above average temperature wise and below average with respect to precipitation which is uh, kind of alarming to think about and maybe with those warmer temperatures maybe won't get as much snow maybe we'll get a little bit more in the way of rain or freezing rain so something to think about around the province in november north battleford's temperature was 4.4 degrees above normal making it the 11th warmest in 81 years Prince Albert was 4.6 degrees higher than normal, good for 17th warmest in 139 years, while Meadow Lake was a full 5.5 degrees above normal, making it the third warmest November in 75 years of record-keeping. As for precipitation, Regina received the most at 21.7 millimeters, or 153% above normal, Moose Jaw was just above normal, and every other centre was below normal. North Battleford only had 2.8 millimetres, making it the sixth driest November in 80 years. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Farm Bulletin Board. You can place a bid on grassland restoration with the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation if you're interested in seeding cultivated land back to native prairie. You can place a bid in their reverse auction for an opportunity to receive financial compensation for your restoration project. Contact uh, them by going to www.ssgf.ca. You can email them at communications at ssgf.ca or simply call them at 306-530-1385. And remember, bidding closes on January 31st. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly to mainly sunny, winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, and a high of plus 1. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 2. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds west at 10 to 15, a high of plus 4, an overnight low of minus 3. For Thursday, a 60% chance of late-day flurries with a risk of freezing rain at night. Winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, a high of plus 1. For Friday, a 20% chance of early snow, then partly sunny and windy a high of minus one, and for Saturday mainly cloudy, 
a high of minus 4. In the Paw, it's minus 7 degrees, Swan River minus 5, Dauphin and Show Lake Russell minus 4, Brandon minus 3, Roblin minus 8. Regina is at minus 5 degrees, Saskatoon minus 1, Hudson Bay minus 4, Broadview Musuman plus 1, Indian Head minus 3, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 0. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a south wind at 15 kilometers an hour, 91% is the relative humidity, the temperature is minus 4 degrees, with the wind chill it feels more like minus 10 degrees. That's your agriculture weather and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 1215 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.